Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 1, The 7 Habits of Highly Engaging Leaders. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. I'm your host, Jesse Leahy. And I'm your co-host, Marty Leahy. You leaders are in for a treat today because Jesse, of course brings to the show a strong communication leadership focus. And Marty brings a strong business and financial focus. And he's also my dad. So altogether, it makes for an interesting dynamic. Our listeners just heard Rick share a little about my background. So let me share just a bit about Marty. He has an MBA, years of experience in Fortune 500 leadership roles, as well as serving as CFO of smaller organizations. And 10 years ago, he started up a restaurant and catering business that he still leads today. Thanks, Jess. Our discussion in this episode is based on the classic book by Stephen Covey. That's right, Dad. Let me share a story with you. Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, had been out on the market for about five years when I graduated from college in the mid-90s, and I began learning the skills and competencies of corporate communication and leadership working for a large consulting firm. But it was when I read that book that taught principles that were fundamental to leadership and being effective that I recognized that, well, hey, these skills and competencies that I'm learning for consulting are great, but they're really just lay on top of the bedrock that Stephen Covey was teaching. And despite all I've learned in the years since then, I still go always go back to these seven habits that Covey outlined. And they're, they're not just about being an effective person or being an effective manager. They truly apply to engaging people. And If you want to be an engaging leader, there's no better place to start than with these seven habits, because all seven of them have a clear engagement application. Okay, Jess, so let's take a look at these seven habits. Uh, The first one that Covey covers, it's called Be Proactive. Right. Be Proactive has to do with being intentional in how you live and how you lead people, as opposed to just reacting to whatever comes up in life, but actually being thoughtful about where you want to go and making decisions to reach that destination. And so Covey said, hey, the first thing is to be proactive. Now, the engagement application of that is to plan ahead when you are going to have communication opportunities and move first to take best advantage of those opportunities instead of waiting to react to things. There's so many moments in life and in business where you know something is going to happen. Either it's on the schedule or it just is bound to come up from time to time. And if you can plan ahead for that, you're much more likely to make an intentional, uh, take an intentional advantage of that opportunity. Now, Dad, you participate in a weekly networking group called BNI, and one of the things that they teach you there is to create 
what they call a commercial, or I might call an elevator speech, right? Yeah, that's right. Each week you have only 40 seconds to give a commercial. And so, of course, you want to have some variety. So, you know, each week I, I cover an element of my business. Uh, I may one week want to talk about our Sunday brunch or the next week maybe about an upcoming wine dinner. So, so I put together, I, I rehearsed and I put together a really powerful 40-second spiel with an ask at the end. It just comes in really handy. If someone comes up to me and I got to have to do an elevator speech and they say, tell me about your Sunday brunch, I can pull down this commercial that's running around in my head and pretty much nail, you know, three things about our Sunday brunch that uh, are really unique and, and, you know, wrap it up by uh, teasing them with getting them to, you know, feel like they'd like to come check that out. You know, it's great that they basically force you, the, the BNI group forces you to think through that and practice it every week. Because even though most of us, we know what we do for a living, we know what our priorities are, we know what we should be saying to people, we think we know that, it's in our head, we actually blow those opportunities that come along. And you know they're going to come along, so why not plan ahead and be prepared? And I would just recommend, I think it's very helpful to remember the power of three. And if you can make that elevator speech or commercial hinge on three things that you really want them to know, and then have a little story that is going to help them remember that. And as you, you know, you do whiskey dinners at the restaurant and, you know, you could say, and these are the three things you could say, well, we got this going on, this going on. And then we do this well, whiskey dinner every quarter and one's coming up. And I got to tell you what happened last time. It was a great time. And a little story like that can really have that person walking away and more likely to uh, remember it and take action. I couldn't agree more, Jess. Hey, uh, let's look at the second uh, habit Covey talks about, and it's called begin with the end in mind. The leadership concept there is whatever you are going to do, wh- wh- whether it's a program that you're going to create, a new product you're going to launch, is to think about the finished result and crystallize what you want it to achieve. And the engagement principle is to do the same thing when you are have any kind of communication that you're planning. What do you want the audience to do? There's no point in communicating something if somebody isn't going to act on it or be influenced. For example, just this past week, I gave a speech in Lexington to a group of HR leaders. And the meeting planner actually told me what the topic I should speak on that they wanted to provide this information, certain information. And so as I was planning the speech, I actually for a while was just planning to give information. And I, and I did organize it into three topics because the power of three, that means it's easier for people to remember and get their head around. And it wasn't until just shortly before the presentation, the day before, that I actually took a step back and I thought, well, wait a minute, what action, what do I want this audience to do differently as the result of this presentation? And I got very clear in my head that I wanted them to take advantage of every opportunity they had to influence the managers at their work locations and the employees at their work locations to be more clear on where they were going, to be more creative, and to have more confidence in these HR leaders' leadership. And, and altogether, that would create some calm and creativity in the midst of change. I actually condensed that down even further in the presentation. So I I had a very clear what I was hoping that they would do. And then I 
that basically caused me to change the presentation so that they had some clear takeaways, some practical things that they could put into action. And, and so the whole presentation was built around that. And then there, you know, there was some meaningful stories and information that was provided to make it memorable and meaningful. But starting with the end in mind made all the difference. And that's why so many people came up to me afterwards and said how great that was and what a difference it was going to make. Okay. Uh, number three is called Put First Things First. Habit three Covey often said was the was actually the habit that most people had the the biggest problem with. It makes a lot of sense, but it's the hardest to put into play. Putting first things first means being very clear on what your priorities are and then recognizing that you can't do everything, that your time is going to get filled up with all sorts of less important things unless you are very clear on what is most important to you and dedicate the time to do that. And the engagement application is that what's true in regard to time is also true in regards to people's attention and ability to remember and understand. And so when you have things that you need your employees or customers or any other audience to know or to take action on, you have to be very clear and prioritize because they generally cannot get their head around more than three things. So the rule of thumb is certainly make sure your communication agenda and core messages have no more than three to five priorities in them. But even better is to get laser focused on only one, two, or three because people can remember that and get get their head around that. So for example, dad, what do most people, when they think of the Declaration of Independence, they don't remember much more about that except for three very powerful things. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, uh, I was thinking, you know, we're getting into a very important political campaign season. And uh, I think one of the really valuable uh, lessons that was learned back in the 90s during the presidential race uh, of the early 90s was, uh, was capitalized in the statement of, it's the economy, stupid. You know, and, and I think uh, we'll, as we see this one play out, we'll see if uh, if the candidates keep that in mind because it's, it's as true today as, as it was then. It was a very powerful message. And, you know, to this day, you know, surveys show that our people, I mean, with everything else that's going on, including uh, foreign policy issues, it really comes down to something very personal and it's, and it's the economy is stupid. But this is, I think, a good example of putting first things first. And sometimes politicians get carried away with other themes, you know, negative and otherwise, but, you know, this is, this, this is shown to be very powerful. Well, the next one that uh, Covey talks about is called Think Win-Win. Yes, effective leaders understand that every engagement has the opportunity to either be win-win, win-lose, or lose-lose. And a lot of people in life, let's say they approach a negotiating situation, for example, they think in terms of win-lose. And their, their goal is to win that negotiation. But what Covey showed is those types of relationships are always short-lived because you're going to be much more effective if you can instead make everything win-win. And if you can't achieve a win-win, then just call it off. No deal. In communication, and the application with engagement is to recognize that every engagement similarly is an opportunity for a win-win. In fact, whoever you're communicating with, whether it's your employees or your audience, they generally only have one thing in mind is they're trying to sort through what you're trying to communicate them. And that is, what does this mean for me? Whether it's a a personal takeaway for them or 
or how does this apply to something they care about? What does it mean for them? And if your engagement doesn't answer that question, you're not going to keep their attention. Now, you have at, at your restaurant, you've, one of your big goals was to create what you call the Skyline Club and get them, get customers involved in this Skyline Club. What, share that with us. Well, it's part of a, of a bigger vision, but the idea is to, it was, is to develop a, a list uh, of a thousand high value customers. And that would be people who are passionately engaged in frequenting our establishment. So it's, it's, it's like a VIP club and we call it the Skyline Club. And, you know, it's reaching out to customers and, and uh, wishing them, you know, maybe a happy anniversary or a birthday. And in, and almost, uh, and several times a year, actually giving them something, an offer of some type. And it, it might be an offer of $5 off a, for a dessert or something of that nature. But here's, Jesse, where I think we've we got to think a little bit about, you know, what you've talked about before, and, and that's extrinsic versus intrinsic values in uh, what's in it for me. And, you know, while everybody likes, you know, a free a freebie and, and that's something in it for them, I, I think we're trying to go beyond that, you know, and really touch them in a way, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, they, they I, I like that place and they remembered my anniversary and and they've, they've offered me a free anniversary dinner. And, you know, I like free, but I mean, I just think that's, you know, it's really special. And if, and if they can come in and we recognize them as a member of the Skyline Club and we solidify that whole experience, I, I think that they've gotten something bigger, which is the feeling of belonging, you know, belonging to the club and, and being recognized for who they are somebody special. I think that that goes way beyond that free offer. Yeah. So you, so there's a value, there's a win to you when people become members of the Skyline Club and engage in that because you're, you're creating a loyal audience, a, a loyal group, but in, in all of your engagements with them, you are trying to keep in mind what's the win for them to participate in that. And I like that you have gone beyond just thinking of extrinsic motivators like, hey, join the Skyline Club and we'll give you a half-off meal to what are the intrinsic motivators. I think that's going to create a much more powerful and loyal customer base, much a, a passionate customer base. Okay, the, the next uh, leadership habit kind of reminds me of something that we sing in church, Jess. Uh, it's called, Seek First to Understand, Then to Be Understood. Yeah, for anybody that was, is familiar with the prayer of Assisi, which uh, a lot of people are familiar with, whether they went to a church or not, it talks about uh, caring more about understanding than about being understood. And Covey said that there really is a power in trying to understand people first before trying to make yourself understood. And that gets back to the concept of empathy, which is very powerful and, and not well understood. And it works in a lot of levels, but the basic application to engagement is if you don't understand your audience, who they really are and what makes them tick and what their feelings are, you're going to have a hard time engaging them to any positive and powerful effect. Going back to your Skyline Club, it would be so much easier to create a win-win for them, to create incentives to belong to that club if you really knew them well, who they are, what their demographics are, of course, but beyond that, I mean, really deeply understanding them if you knew what kind of wine they liked best. And you think about at any restaurant, what really is a powerful loyalty factor is when the, the customer comes in and the server says, hey, Bill, welcome back. You, you going to have your, your usual today? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's like a, a place where everybody knows your name type thing. Um, 
And, and you know, it, this is a classic concept of targeting, you know, what, what, whether it be marketing or whatever you're doing to reach out. Um, you can waste a lot of resources sending out the wrong message or even sending it to the wrong people because you fail to understand your market and your customer and what they're looking for. You know, we recently have had a, a client that is a large coal mining company who discovered that they had a, a healthcare issue that a lot of they had higher healthcare costs than they really should in their population and they needed their employees to take better care of themselves both by living healthier lifestyles but also by actually going to the doctor when they have a problem and if we had the, the sort of natural temptation would, would have been to handle all those communication moments and educational moments like we w- would if we were a typical hospital and, you know, create flowery pink communications and really beautiful heart rending type of communication and marketing materials. But when we stopped and really understood our audience, we discovered that they were mostly men. We're talking 99% men that work underground at the coal mining company. And they don't care about flowers and pink. And they really don't care. Their health is just not a priority to them. So what we did is we reframed the whole conversation and talked about the importance of being tough and strong and being able to provide for your, your family. And if you are sick, or you die young, you're not going to be able to do that. And they got very engaged. We're we're talking close to 100% participation in what we were asking them to do. So that was the power of understanding them first before trying to get them to understand what we felt was important. Okay, Jess, the next leadership habit is kind of a, was a big uh, jargon word back in the, I guess, 70s, 80s, 90s, and, and that word is synergize. Yes, and I'm sure many listeners are groaning right now at the concept of synergy because it is such a, an old term, but it's old, but it's a timeless truth. And synergy as a leadership principle is just the re- realization that one plus one often can be three. And that when you put two or more people together, they, they can often come up with greater uh, results than one person alone, or two organizations could come up with something greater than one organization alone. The engagement application here is that if you're trying to engage employees or customers or any kind of audience, if you can involve them in some of your key decisions or other aspects of what you're communicating, they are going to have a greater sense of ownership in what you're communicating. They're, they're going to care more. And in fact, what you come up with may be better. So for example, the vision you came up with for your restaurant business is very good and you thought you came up with the 10 factors of your vision and then you, your next step was to enroll your staff into that vision. But they may care more deeply about it if they had a hand in, in creating that vision. In fact, it may end up being a stronger vision. There, there's another application or a, another example that uh, I just recently was made aware of. There was a an article I read in Rolling Stone magazine about the Obama campaign of 2012. And generally, that, that magazine is very supportive of, of uh, everything, what, what Obama has been trying to accomplish. But this article was critical in relation to how Obama campaigned in 2008. And one of the brilliant things that President Obama did in 2008, their campaign really ignited at a grassroots level volunteers and activists with social media and really helped all these people feel like they could be involved in moving our country forward. 
what happened after he was elected, according to this article, is that really they cut off all those communication channels. And they had, although they had created this expectation of involvement, it didn't come to pass after the election. It's almost like they said, okay, thank you, all you grassroots people, but now we experts are going to go get the work done. Then you fast forward three years when it was time to start the campaign for the 2012 election. And Obama's campaign had to go back to all those people and try to get them reinvolved. And they had this strong sense of disappointment at what happened last time. Oh, I was good enough for you back then to get elected, but once you're elected, I wasn't good enough and now you need me again. So that I think illustrates the power of involving people in this, in the, the, what the, the potential of synergy, but you also have to be careful about what kind of expectation you create and, and not either set a wrong expectation or just drop the ball once you've uh, involved people. And it, it gets to, I think, are you involving them so you can manipulate them or are you involving them because you truly want to synergize? Well, that certainly is a, a common mistake, uh, certainly by politicians, I'm, I'm sure. But, but many leaders, you know, and if, if you're going to synergize you, your whole process, you're going to grant ownership, if you will, to people, ownership of the process and ownership of the rewards. I mean, that's not something you, you can take back. Uh, you'll get one shot at that and pretty soon, you know, the organization will no longer be looking, looking to your lead. Well, the, the last uh, habit is coming up here, and it's called Sharpen the Saw. When Stephen Covey talked about the principle of Sharpen the Saw, he told the story of the golden goose. And there was, a, there was a farmer who had a goose that laid golden eggs, one golden egg every day. And so the guy was on track to being richer than your wildest dreams if you had a, an egg, solid gold egg every day. But he got uh, greedy and he thought, you know, if I cut that chicken open, I can get all those eggs at once instead of waiting a day just to get one egg and another day to get another egg. So he cut the chicken open and discovered two things. Of course, one is that there were no eggs inside because the chicken made it every day. And number two, now the chicken was dead. And so there would be no more golden eggs. And the leadership principle is that if you aren't investing in yourself and in your people and in your organization, investing in your competencies and your skills, and also your replenishment, your rest and relaxation, you're going to get burnt out or you're going to become, your skills are going to become obsolete. And so you need to sharpen the saw. You don't just use the saw until it becomes dull, sharpen it from time to time so that you can continue to be uh, growing and learning. And the engagement application is to recognize that communication is a key leadership competency that you need to invest in. And you're going to not make the best, take best advantage of opportunities to engage employees, customers, and other stakeholders if you aren't making a point to get better at communicating, whether that's getting better at the strategy side of that, whether that's staying on top of what the trends and technology tools are, let's say, and then also just the techniques of communicating. How well do you speak in front of a group? How good are your writing skills? All, all, there's all, so many different communication skills that we can take for granted as leaders. So what you're saying is even if we've been around for a lot of years and have, have uh, achieved some degree of success in leadership, that uh, there's always more to learn when it comes to communication, right? Yeah, that's right. And you know, Fred Garcia often points out that leaders, because they've been communicating basically since they were children, but certainly in any leadership role, you're communicating a lot. You often 
think that you're, well, I've always been doing it, so I don't need any help. Uh, but if you realize how critical of a competency communication is, you recognize the importance of developing yourself in that area and keeping that saw sharp. So those are the seven habits. Be proactive. Number two, begin with the end in mind. Number three, put first things first. Four, think win-win. Five, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Six, synergize. And seven, sharpen the saw. You know, I think even in today's world, which is quite different than when Stephen Covey published the book in 1989, it would be difficult to ignore any of these seven habits and still be an effective leader. And understanding both how they can affect your personal effectiveness, but as well as your ability to engage other people, I think is powerful. And I think it's fitting that we kick off the Engaging Leader podcast here in episode one with... uh, this episode about the seven habits of highly effective people. Dr. Covey just recently passed away on July 16th, 2012. And he, he wrote many books, but this was the seven habits of highly effective people was his most influential book. He wrote it all the way back in 1989. And yet if you walk into any bookstore today, it is still going to be front and center in 2011. Time Magazine named it one of the 25 most influential business management books of all time. And these seven habits are both important to be a highly effective person, but they're also important to be a highly engaging leader. Well, leaders, that wraps up today's show. If you like our show, please rate us on iTunes. That makes a huge difference in helping more people discover it. Go to engagingleader.com slash iTunes. We would love to know your thoughts about this episode. You can leave comments on our show notes at engagingleader.com or connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, where I am at Jesse Leahy. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers on internal communication strategies. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Arthur Hankey, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Steele, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about.